And we talked about the last few weeks. Love is patient. Uh, love is kind. And, and patience, as we talked about, is a, uh, it's really a battlefield in our mind. It's, it's choosing another person, relationship over our, our own expectations. And that's a hard battle. And then the week after that, we talked about how love is kind. And how kindness is compassion in action. And that's, the, that's what happens in our hearts. And really, it, the first thing we have to do is, is lay down our, our, our sacrifice our own thinking, be patient. And we have to sacrifice our own compassion, our hearts. And then last week we talked about how this, how love bears all things. And how that's really sacrificing our flesh in a lot of ways. How that kind of love gives into somebody's life and covers them and carries them. And then we saw in this, this center section between that, the, the love is kind and, and, and love uh, bears all things, all these things that love is not. That is the flesh when it's uh, being put to death. It fights back. And we see these things that happen. We're arrogant or rude, <laughs> insist our own way. We get irritable and resentful. Sometimes we rejoice in wrongdoing like we really stick it to that person, right? Because they deserve it, right? And love doesn't do that. We know that when, as we begin to walk lives of love, that the flesh is going to come up, so don't freak out. Just make sure that you continue to put it to death. So far, we've talked about how we put things to death, but today, these last three, we get to talk about how we go from death and how we have a new life in our relationship. And so these last three, uh, these, uh, last three sections of love are, are so exciting, so empowering. We can't get to those unless we first sacrifice our thinking and we begin to walk in patience with other people and say, you are worth more than my schedule or my expectations or my timing or my desires. You are more important than those things. And we also need to sacrifice our compassion. We have to lay down our hearts and say, you know what? I have to learn how to love you and see who you truly are and to put my compassion into action. And then I have to be willing to get into somebody's life and get real with them and, and cover them. Let them know that they are not going to be bad enough that, that love for them runs out. And then also I'm carrying them. That I'm not just going to leave them and let them wallow in their brokenness, but I'm going to enter it with them and help them. When we do that, when we begin to lay our lives down for another person in this way, then we get to the fun part. And that's what we get to talk about today. It's really fun. Uh, so there's a lo- oh, wow, that love is kind. That likes to pop up there. We get to have this love believes all things. Now, and love believes all things is not this. It's not that love is, is gullible. Okay? That's infatuation. Right? Infatuation is when you meet somebody and then God designs it in our brains. It shuts down that portion of the critical thinking centers in our brain. It literally does that. Crazy. So you see someone and so you get to like them long enough until you can tolerate them. And then God lets the infatuation wear off and then you see them as they really are. And you're like, well, you're worth it. Right? In infatuation, you're going to believe crazy things about somebody. That's the smartest person I've ever seen. That person never says anything dumb. That person is really, really good. Because you're not thinking right. right? And it's designed by God that way. So you can just see the best. That's not what this kind of love is. God doesn't call us into eternal infatuation. This, this believes all things doesn't mean it believes everything. It means it believes what is true. And that's what we, we're going to talk about today. Belief is a powerful thing. And we have to understand that we have uh, in our society, we're a very media saturated society. And so 
if you turn on just about anything from the computer to, to your television to the radio, you're going to find something that's going to be confronting you all the time that has about to do with beliefs, and those are called commercials. Okay, commercials are all about belief and the power of belief. May God bless you. You're in the right place, brother. Um, you know, when you, when you see a commercial, it's about this. The, the, the people who, uh, who design commercials, they want you to believe something. And they work very hard at convincing you that your life is going to be better if you use their product. Right? They create a belief in you that says, if I do this, then, then things are going to improve for me. And so it creates action, doesn't it? And billions, trillions of dollars really spin around in our economy because there is really good belief that these things are going to make my life better, going to make things easier, going to improve, whatever, right? That's the power of belief. And so powerful is this that a lot of folks get themselves way into debt for those types of things. Right? That they'll work extra hours doing all kinds of things in order to, to go and get that next thing. That's the power of belief. Belief is an amazing thing, but it doesn't just work to be manipulated. God says that we can choose to believe the truth, the right things. And when we choose to believe what is true and the right things in relationship, it changes us. Right? When we get down into somebody's life and their brokenness and their depravity, and we lay down our expectations as to what things ought to be, and we start to put our compassion in action, and we become vulnerable like that. And Belief is the very first thing that helps us rise above that situation to help carry a person out of their brokenness, to help take a, a relationship that is, that is in despair, that is in, uh, that is in dis- a broken position, and to bring it to a place where God wants it to be. It starts with belief, because belief is a powerful thing. Now, it says in Scripture, we talk about belief. Hebrews 11.1, 1, how could I talk about belief without bringing this up? Faith, right? Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. In fact, if you read that whole passage in Hebrews, you're going to see how faith prompted people into amazing actions. Faith prompted Abraham, an old man Abraham, to leave his comfortable home and to go somewhere else and live in a tent based upon a promise. Belief, faith allowed an older man, a much older man, to build an ark and to live on it for a long time with a bunch of stinky animals and all of his family and saved him. You see, belief does amazing things. And if you want to see the power of belief in action, believing truth and what it can do for us, read Hebrews 11.1 and the whole chapter of 11. It's a powerful thing. And what belief does is why it's so powerful is it can lead us in any direction it wants to. It's, we get to choose what we want to. But the belief in this passage is this. Belief sees the truth. See, most people in this world, when they look at somebody else, they see the shell. The shell of sin and brokenness and, and all the stuff that's on the outside. Or maybe what they see is they see the, the whitewash that we're so good at putting on the outside of our sin shell, Right? And they'll believe that's true. And then they get to know somebody and they're like, oh, well, that was just a facade. I see brokenness there. There's, the, there's that ugly shell of sin and, and all that in that person's life. That's what is true. But that is not what is true. Love sees beneath that. 
It sees the real person for who they truly are. And, and this is where we, um, we see is that a person's true identity is not revealed in what you can see on the outside. It's not so much what you can perceive by observing their life. It's not even what you can perceive by going down and, and, and embracing them in their brokenness because that's not who they truly are. Think about this. How long do we live on this world? 70, 80, 90 years, 100 years if you're you know, really, really lucky. right? You have a brief time here. And this is what we try to judge who we truly are. How long do we get to live in heaven? Eternity. Now, if you just try to measure that out, right? There are some people who think they're a billion, billion, billion years old, right? And then they look at where humans are on that, and it's like a little dot. Try putting that into eternity. Like, it's such an infinitesimally small spot, you wouldn't even see it. Who you are today is not who you truly are. There is a seed of eternal life that is in you. There is, God has, has designed us for, for bigger things. Who we truly are is who we are in Christ. And that's what love begins to truly begin to see. It says this in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And God saves us. And so when we see another brother or sister in Christ, the very first thing we need to see is that's a saved person, a saint. And it says that we are God's handiwork. Have you ever thought about yourself like that? Or how about that person that's difficult to love? In the midst of their brokenness, in the midst of all the ugly things on the outside of their life that we look at, maybe they have a hard time with, with telling the truth, or they've got addictions in their life, or they've got really bad habits, or they're, they're a really uh, bitter person. And maybe that's what you see. But the truth is that they are God's handiwork. There's amazing being inside they were created in Christ Jesus for something good, for good works. We think of the most detestable person that we can think of and understand that they have the capacity for these things because of the grace of God. That is the truth of whom they are. And it says God even prepared those things in advance for them to do. Isn't that amazing? The truth of the matter is, is that we're not what we look like. Or we're who God designed us to be. That's who we are. And we begin to believe that. You know, I, uh, when I was doing my study for this, I became curious because I thought, well, what does the Bible say about me? What does it say about us in Christ? Who are we really in Christ? And so I just stuck to the New Testament and, and I started going through and I made a list. I just did a, a Bible study and I said, what does the scripture say about who we are? What is the truth about, about us in Christ? And you know what I did is I started creating this huge list and, um, and it got longer and longer and longer, and finally I just gave up because it was so long. And I asked Sarah to put this in the bulletin for you. This is, just, this is not some deep scholarly paper. This was my own personal Bible study. As I went through Scripture and I looked for what does it say about us, if you want to see, you cannot read this and not be like totally stoked about how awesome God is and about who you are. I mean, you can't end with a bad day and realize who you are in Christ. I mean, just go through this list. This is you. This is who you really are. Now, you might think that, that I'm a 
person that lives in the United States or I'm a business person or, or I'm retired or I'm a grandma or a grandpa or I'm a person that struggles with this or that. You know what? Those are temporary things. This is what you are. This is the truth of who you are. We need to begin to trust God. This is black and white in Scripture. That's amazing things. I mean, look at some of these. I am the salt and light of the earth. Look at how cool that is. Or how about in John 15:1? I have been chosen and God desires me to bear fruit. That's the truth of the matter. Or how about this? I belong to God. 1 Corinthians 6:20. I belong to Him. He, he actually cares about me. Or how about this? Ephesians 1:9. I have purpose. Or Ephesians 1:12. I have hope. How about Ephesians 1:18? This is a good one. I am a saint. Do you ever think about that? That you are a saint. That's a real title that you have. You put it on your business card. A saint. Right, right there. You know, people say, well, "Who are you?" Well, I'm Saint Aaron of Estes. Right. It's what the Bible says. That's who we are. That is the truth of the matter that God cares about. And this is such a long list. It takes both sides. And this is not even exhaustive. We need to begin to see the truth of who we truly are. But also recognize that this doesn't just apply to me. That all people were created by God to be loved by God. Not everyone's going to choose it. Not everyone's going to have that. We don't know who's going to choose it. So we get to love everybody. And we get to believe the truth in other people. And that truth is powerful. What enables a Christian to love our enemies? Is it that we grit our teeth and that we choose just to be tough enough to be kind to people who, who are mean to us? No. What allows us to love our enemies is that we see the truth of who they truly are. Whom God designed them to be. Saul, from the outside, looked like a terrorist and a murderer. But God saw him for who he truly is. And he changed the world. John looked like a young fisherman. But God saw who he truly was, right? Powerful pastor, evangelist, preacher, teacher. God sees who you are. And God allows us to see who other people are as well. And to love them because we're the body of Christ. Love in this way, by believing all things, all of these truths, is what gives us the ability to know that our love is not in vain. That when I care for another person in their brokenness, I am caring for an amazing creature made in the image of God for His glory. It's what gives me the capacity to have patience. It's what gives me the capacity to have compassion because here is this amazing being that is marred by the sin and the brokenness of this world, but that is not them. And I get to care for them out of that. It's a powerful thing. And it sees truth. And it lives by truth. You know this? Belief in this way then speaks life. Have you ever been in a relationship where... Where somebody was just all the time just on you, criticizing you? You're stupid. You're lazy. You're never going to be any good. You're bad. You're not ever going to amount to anything. You ever had one of those kind of relationships? They pound you down, don't they? They speak death into your, your being and your soul. They just crush you. 
And, and folks that, that live under that begin to believe the lie that is being spoken into their lives. And they eventually either get a really hard shell around them or they begin to own it. And they begin to die from the inside. But you know it's true the other way as well. Belief speaks life. When we believe what is true about us, you know, when I see somebody that maybe uh, comes into my office or comes into my life in the midst of their brokenness, I don't see them for what they're going through. Because that's all it is. It's just what they're going through in a very temporary thing. But I believe the truth in who they are. That kind of belief sometimes takes years in order to manifest any type of change in a person. But I speak truth into their life because how they're acting is not in accordance with who they really are. And it gives me the capacity to love somebody in the long term. It's, it's an amazing thing. There's a, a, an old um, Eskimo story or whatever. There are these two dogs that are in a fight. Right? And you've probably heard this before, but I'm going to tell anyway. It's two dogs in a fight. And they're fighting, blah, blah, blah. And one of the, uh, an elder asks this, his younger guy in the, in the village, he says, which one do you think is going to win? And the kid, I don't know. And the elder says, the one you feed. Right? The one you feed. In our lives, there are two dogs in a fight. There's one that's speaking truth. There's, there's also one that is speaking lies over us and telling us all the things that we're not. We need to feed the truth. We need to feed the truth in other people as well. We need to tell them who they are so they can believe it. You know that we have our, our own broken sin nature who all the time is messing up our lives and will tell us wrong things like we should be prideful about the wrong things and cling to things that are temporary. We should be prideful about our position or we should be prideful about our wealth or, or our success and all those types of things. And then later on in life when we retire or... or those things go away or we're looking at, at going to the next life and then all that stuff doesn't matter so much. All of a sudden, we have this crisis because then who am I? Am I really good? Does it ever really matter? You know what? That type of, of, of thing really just speaks death into our world. But when we feed truth and we say, you know what? I am eternal. I am a saint. I am loved by God. I was chosen by Him. I have purpose. I have value. I have I've been saved. I have been forgiven. All the things that that God says, when I believe all these things, then my value and my security and my joy is not dependent upon the things that happen in my life. It is the same way when I have a relationship with somebody. When I believe in who they really are, and I begin to take pleasure in who they really are, and I begin to speak that truth into their life. When I see brokenness, I'm able to call it what it is. That's brokenness. That's not you. You really are better than this. By design. You can overcome this. That's what it says in the Scripture. We are overcomers. In fact, it says we are more than overcomers. How great is that? That we were, we were set free. That we are free. How amazing. When we begin to speak truth into another person's life, when we begin to, to speak life into them instead of death, we begin to see a power of change. There are a lot of stories that um, I can tell over this. Uh, uh, just a brief one from my own life was this. I have a, uh, I have a uh, family member uh, that uh, 
was very, very um, antagonistic to faith. And, um, and so we had a family reunion about four years ago or whatever. And, uh, you know, had all the, the piercings and things like that, try to look really rough and, and things like that. And then because I'm a pastor, tried to say things that they knew would offend me because that's, of course, a very tolerant thing to do. And, <laughs> and so, um, and yet here's a person that I grew up with. And at first, I was becoming very irritated with them, right? Because I was like, come on, you know, let's, I just want to ha- be part of the family reunion. You don't have to, to do all of these things that, you know, say mean, nasty things to me or whatever. You don't have to be that way. And I was getting kind of frustrated with them. But then um, I, I had to, I don't know why, maybe it was the Holy Spirit. I'll just give it credit to the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, had, I had a change of heart, Right? Because I began to see them in their brokenness. And that compassion broke my heart to say what kind of hopelessness that they're living in, that they're believing that that pleasure only comes through a substance, right? And that good times only come through things that that end up degrading ourselves and our our value and our our life. And so I had a change of attitude. I didn't do anything spectacular. I didn't do anything like St. Aaron miracles or anything at that, that thing. I was just nice. Right? I was just kind. But then last year, one of my aunts passed away unexpectedly. And we had a, uh, uh, a funeral, and she was uh, buried up here. So all the family comes back together, and, and here's this family member that was so difficult. Now, obviously distraught by all of this. And by the end of that weekend, didn't give us life to Christ yet, but will, I'm sure, because I keep praying for him. Um, we had an incredible opportunity to talk about truth and faith and who he is and just the regret and the remorse this person had about the life that they've lived, right? And I was the one safe person, the one that they were trying to offend this whole time to be able to start opening up and God being able, through me, able to say into this person's life, you were more than that, that you were meant for more than that. Now, I don't know where that's going to go, but I know this, that I began to speak truth into this person's life. I had the privilege of doing that because first I laid down my, my agenda, right? I was, got to be patient. I got to actually have compassion. I got to just embrace where they were at. I didn't have to try to change them. But then I had the opportunity to speak life and truth into them. And we'll see where that goes. But you know, this whole concept of love believes all things, being able to embrace a person where they are, just doesn't just end with me. In fact, um, Sarah who works here at our office, does a fantastic job. Uh, we were sitting at the, the table there a couple weeks ago talking about this. And she said, I have a story from my life that, that uh, speaks right to this. And she wanted to share it. So she was gracious enough. And so um, you know, watch Sarah's story here, a little video, and see if I can start it. Oh, <laughs> I need this verse. You, you need to read this because it talks about this. God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you get that? That wasn't what God wanted us to do. He didn't, he didn't see you and me as just sinners meant for destruction. That wasn't his plan. But to receive salvation through Jesus. From the very beginning, he knew you and loves you. He sees the truth about you. He died so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may, we may live together with him. 
And so it tells us what it tells us to do this. And it says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just in fact as you are doing. It matters what we speak to each other. We know the truth and we speak that truth in each other's life. The scripture tells us to do it, so let's do it. Here's a great example of that. As I've already set up the clip, you might as well watch it. Here you go. This is a story about Joyce and Betty, who were pillars of the church that I grew up in. They also happened to be members of the senior set for as long as I can remember, back from when I was a small kid. They also were uh, faithful attenders of my father's Sunday school classes. Undoubtedly in those Sunday school classes, uh, the topic of having a rebellious kid must have come up a time or two. Um, For when I was old enough to walk as far away from faith and family and really anything good or right, um, Joyce and Betty took to praying for me. I didn't know that until years later, um, after I'd come back to Christ and back to church and got to know Joyce and Betty very well. Um, I also learned that if you're on Joyce and Betty's radar, then you're being lifted up every day faithfully. But it wasn't only in their prayers uh, while I was wallowing in sin um, that they showed me what believing love looked like. Shortly after I'd come back to Christ and I was really digging in the Word, God called me to teach a women's Sunday school class. And um, being young and ambitious and not knowing any better, I wasn't afraid of failure and I jumped right in with both feet. I was humbled, however, when that first week came and as the ladies poured in, Joyce and Betty were among them. I mean, these are women that had most of their Bible memorized in the original King James. What could I possibly have to offer? And um, sure enough, Joyce walked right up to me at the beginning of class and told me how much she missed my dad and how much she'd enjoyed his classes and how much she looked forward to my teaching. Well, I'll just say I was really glad that God taught that class because it would have been a big failure uh, had he not just used me as his vessel. Because, see, it wasn't only um, them praying for me when I was wallowing in that pit of sin. It was them believing that God would use somebody in their 20s to bring his message to somebody so much more advanced in their studies and so much more spiritually mature. Um, They believed that God can use people um, that have just barely scraped out of a pit of sin. And that is such a beautiful example of love and such um, a convicting example of spiritual maturity that not only we believe God will use us, and can use us, but that he can use anybody, even people decades younger, and even people that have come from kind of a shady place. With the right heart, God will use people. And that's, that's what it means to believe and love. Don't we love to hear stories how God transforms a person's life, just radically changes them, and you look at who they are today, and you're like, no way were you like that ever before. God does that all the time because he sees us for who we really are. And we need to begin to believe that and speak that same kind of love and that same kind of truth into other people's lives. That is love. It's a love that believes all truth. It's a love that expresses that truth. It's a love that actually transforms. Now, as we bring this uh, 
portion of a close, I'm going to have you take your connection card out again. How do you begin to practice that love in your life? Well, there's a bazillion ways, but I have some ideas. Here on the back side there, some things that you want to do. Maybe, maybe you need to start a relationship with Jesus yourself. Maybe that list that I gave you, you're going to read through that this week and you're going to say, I want that to be true about me. You know, that's true about you when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. When we become saved and we go back into His kingdom and we become His child, we are born again. All those things are true. But they're only true when we're in Christ. So maybe what you need to do, if you've never started a relationship with Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have questions about that maybe or, or you don't know what that means, let me know. Uh, check this off here on this. It says, I would like more information about starting a relationship with Jesus. Why? Because we'll talk to you about that. What does it mean? Answer your questions. So you understand fully what does it mean to have a new life in Christ. And maybe you already are in Christ. How do you put to practice this love that believes all things? Well, the first thing that I'm going to challenge you to do, like every week, do your memory verse. Let's memorize 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8. Why? It is the truth of God. And God didn't just like write willy-nilly things down into a book for us. These are the important things. And to find that when you go into loving a person and you go through this life, what does it mean to love? Or you have to say, how does God love me? What does this mean? 1 Corinthians tells us this. Maybe we begin by letting God's Word become part of our, our spiritual DNA. Maybe that's what you start with this week. So His work, Word can do a work in your life. How about this? How about read Judges 6-8? through 8? That's chapters 6-8. through 8. Why would you read those chapters in Judges? Well, there is a story there of a young judge named Gideon. And he was a, a guy who didn't think much of himself, but God saw who he truly was, a mighty warrior. And it's the story of belief, a powerful belief that uh, actually set the, the people of Israel free for a, for a time. Amazing stuff. You want to see what it means when you actually trust who God says you are, right? Even when you have doubts and say, okay, I'm going to believe. There's a story. There's a real guy named Gideon who had that happen. And you can see what God does and we hold to truth and we have truth spoken into our lives. How about this? Do. How about... Believe all things. Maybe that's what you do. Maybe you begin by... I gave you that, that sheet there for a reason. Maybe you could do your own Bible study this week and you say, you know what? I don't feel this way about me or I don't feel this way about that person that's really difficult for me to love, but I'm going to trust that it's true. And you begin to trust the Word of God in your relationship and in your own life, but also the relationships that you have. And you say, I'm going to begin to believe these things. Until I do, if I have my doubts, right? I'm going to say, God, I'm going to trust this. Help me believe this, <laughs> right? Help me to believe that this is true about this person or even about me. And keep going back there until it becomes part of what you actually do believe. Begin seeing the world as it truly is. Maybe that's what you do. Or how about this? Maybe your prayers, maybe you begin to speak life. Maybe your speaking life starts in your prayer life. Maybe you have a difficult relationship. Maybe you're with right now with your spouse, things are, are rocky. Or with one of your kids, it's just a difficult time. Or you've got a coworker that is just driving you up the wall. right? Or there's maybe a neighbor that's around you that just is a thorn in your side. And you say, okay... I have a really hard time loving this person and covering them in their awfulness because they are straight up awful. And you choose to say, you know what, that's the shell. That's the shell on the outside. 
and I need to speak what's true on the inside and feed life into that. And you say, well, maybe that begins by just in your prayer life with God and say, God, help me see that this truth that I see from your word actually applies to this person because I don't see it. Give me eyes of faith for this so I can love that person. Maybe that's where you begin. Or maybe it's that you actually go into that relationship and begin to treat that person with dignity and respect and with compassion for the person that they really are. Maybe that's what you do this week. And let your believing all things love actually impact how you live. Maybe that's what we start with this week. Or maybe it's a combination. Maybe it's all. Maybe there's something else. Maybe there's something that the Holy Spirit's been talking to you about this morning. You say, okay, I need to do this. Write it down. I want to let you know that you heard him, but also let me pray for you. Or maybe there's a prayer request that you have because our God, believe this, he hears us. And he does amazing things when we bring our requests to him. So let me join you in prayer this week. If there's something that I can pray for you, let us know. And here in a minute, we're going to pray. And uh, after we have some time with God in prayer, uh, we're going to take our offerings. And as we take our offerings, I want you to take this green connection card along with your tithes and offerings, put it in the basket as it's passed. And then after that, we're going to have a great time of worshiping God because uh, he's worthy of it, right? Of course he is. So let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, when we say you are good, we don't, we're not just blowing smoke. Uh, Lord, uh, you are the definition of good. In fact, nothing can be good if it doesn't in some way reflect you. So whether it's kindness or it's goodness or compassion, if it's, uh, if it's joy, Father, if, if it's uh, successful, Lord, all of these things we see are definitely in you. Uh, Father, we want to believe truth, but we've had the devil and our, our flesh advertising to us for a very long time lies about who we are. And we'll have to admit that, that we've believed a lot of lies about ourselves, but we've also believed a lot of lies about other people. And Father, we come at first to confess that we've judged our neighbors according to the wrong standards. We've looked at our world and the people in it, and we've judged them by our own perception, by the outside, the shell, the actions, and not through the identity for whom you created them to be. Father, I pray that you would help us to see our neighbors, our family members, our spouses, our kids, our co-workers, with the eyes of faith. Help us to trust and to believe what is truly true about the people that are around us so that we can love them the way that is truly true. Help our belief to change our actions. Help our belief to, to rise up within us compassion that we can put to action. Father God, we pray that we would be a church known by our love. And Lord, if we do that, we recognize the only way that we can love our world this way is because you have first loved us. And Lord, I thank you that when we were still sinners, when we were still walking away from you, when we were still in rebellion, you saw the truth about who we truly are. And you didn't just bring down the hammer and the lightning and, and judgment, but you brought down your son. And you lived in this world for us, fighting for the truth of who we truly are because you love us. Lord, help us as a church to own that love and express that love. Help us to be a church that believes all the truth. Now, Father, we're going to come before you and I thank you that 
we know that the truth of the word is that, that we are your sons and daughters and that you delight in listening to us. You delight in having us engage with you in this amazing life that you have blessed us with. So, Father, now as we, we bring our prayers to you, I ask that you would hear them, that, they would, that you would help us to pray the right things, Father, and, and to guide us in that. But, Father, uh, I pray that you hear our prayers. We thank you.